Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today, we are talking about Strata 101. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it is episode 32. Today, we're going to be chatting about Strata 101, and this is going to take up probably the bulk of the episode because there's a lot you need to know if you're getting into a Strata for the first time. It's probably going to take up more than one episode, to be completely honest. Uh, I apologize if I sound differently. I'm getting over a cold. Yeah, what's going on with your voice? I'm, I'm just, uh, <laughs> um, well, let's not talk. Matt got so mad when we were talking about the neti pot last time, so <laughs> we'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> well, I've completely, my body's completely ridded itself of all sickness. Maybe so you I've sent cured. it to I've, me. That's possible. It's probably possible. We shouldn't We shouldn't be sharing donairs anymore. No, no more sharesy. Might have to stop that. But Yeah, so... What's going on before we before we spend like an hour talking about stratas and what people need to know? Jer, what have you been well, doing? Well, that's what's going on with me. I'm 100% cured. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you have it now. Yeah. Uh, I won't say much more than that just because there's just so much to talk about in terms of strata 101. And we're going to have 102 or 201. I, d- I don't think it'll be advanced level next time. It's probably 102. 102? Yeah. But uh, let's, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say too much because there's just so much to talk about. Okay. Matt? Matt, what's going on with you? Oh, I've been uh, working. Uh, it's this thing called real estate. Okay. Yeah, try to try to sell listings, try to get buyers. But it's to, Christmas uh, time. <laughs> it's still it's November. not even December yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're sure if you should, not sure if you should still be working and you're a realtor. Listen to last episode. Yeah. Home before the holidays. So Keep you, so working. No, so no Christmas stuff in Keep November. Keep working. Yeah, so I've been keep working. I've got all sorts of stuff to do this week, and it's fun. It's very rewarding. And, you know, if it all goes well, it means we have a good Christmas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you tell the kids that. Not sure if Christmas is coming this year, but let's see uh, how the week goes. Well, we had an emergency vet visit last week, and it was like, oh, uh, no. I think Christmas is canceled. <laughs> everything's okay with the emergency yeah, vet yeah, visit? Yeah, it still cost a lot of money to make sure that everything was okay, but everything's okay. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> What's so, up with you? So you have to say Santa may be on a budget <laughs> this year. Or you just go the opposite and you're like, I don't know. I guess maybe you weren't good enough. Try I, harder next I year. Saw, <laughs> I saw a Facebook fo- post from Santa this morning. Okay. Yeah. And Santa was saying like, hey, guys, um, I'm not sure when you missed the memo, but Santa has always brought sort of a, a basic kind of gift for kids. Yeah. Everybody gets one sort of simple gift from Santa. That's what I do. I just want everybody to have something sort of fun. But this crazy stuff like a tablet or a remote control car or a drone helicopter, that's not my gig. Why did you Why did you start to think that that's the Santa Claus thing? So, hmm. um, Jer, should we tell Matt the truth about, about Santa? About- <laughs> hey, Santa was on Facebook and he told me this. And the reason why, he's like, look, when Jimmy down the street gets yeah. you know, a book and then... Yeah, it's a hard conversation for kids to when they get to school to be like, "Well, I was good. Why was Santa so much nicer to you than 
than me. That's yeah, a, very complicated. So Santa yeah. got on Facebook and tried to clear the air, but I, I don't think he's going to be able to to reach the parents. They don't seem to believe in him or listen to him. Hmm. Okay. Have, you, have you thought about exploring other options for the festivities, like cheaper ones? Like maybe there's other. I, it's like other holidays that you don't have to spend. There's no gifts. Like like you just pick a different holiday. Yeah, just say hey, no kids. We're actually exploring whatever festivus. festivus or something right yeah i mean i'm I'm totally down with the feats of strength my family is pretty much the only crowd where i could win there you go okay <laughs> yeah well speaking of festivus and christmas i i represented multiple offers uh solo last night at the office christmas mm-hmm. party that's not by design James. i was i was sorry feeling very betrayed <laughs> that the two of you weren't weren't at the christmas party um it's november though is that why you didn't go? It's it's yeah. It's mostly just principle, just because yeah. I just I don't feel like you know some people. It's, it's I, I will have... I will direct the audience to listen back five minutes when Jer said it's Christmas. Why are you working? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just been off all week, so I just I thought, I thought we were starting Christmas early, but um, I don't know. It's weird, like you know when you do you're not supposed to have Christmas stuff out until after Remembrance Day. I did think it was a weird time of year that they picked it. So yeah. I know it's like there's booking and things like that, but it feels weird to have an actual office, like a any office, Christmas party, real estate, yeah. whatever, um, in the month of November. I thought one of the realtors was going to lose it on the bartender. Um, he ordered two glasses of wine. She slid them over, and she was like, that'll be $38. Come please. on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and he was an older guy. I won't say who it was. He's like, I didn't order the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying he was going to be mad because there was no like rum and eggnogs. Oh, no. He was just super pissed at the prices, which... Uh, that was we, at the golf club? Yeah, which is funny because the wine was super expensive, but I was drinking scotch for $7, so I don't know what... Uh, so there's Jeff's holiday pro tip. Yeah. Go, yeah. F- go for the scotch. Go for the scotch. So, yeah, we got a lot to get into, um, and I think we're going to kind of look at it from a standpoint of when you're coming in and maybe you're the first time buying into a strata or there's going to be lots for people who already live in stratas who maybe aren't paying as much attention but we're really going to come into this with the idea of trying to help out somebody who is jumping into a strata with kind of a beginner mindset Um, and we kind of discussed starting off with understanding how bylaws worked skipping the news so we're going to skip the news skip my segment again jeff I, this is this is my power play. <laughs> yeah. And we, we even had we had a good example that a, a listener brought up that we wanted to chat about, but we're just okay. Not. So we're getting into main topic here. We're getting right it's into main main discussion. Time. Let's do it's it. Time. Okay. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, you lost one. Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, so let's talk bylaws. Which, on the surface, sounds like a boring thing to talk about. Sounds like a boring thing to talk about. Bylaws. Yeah, by law. Why do I care about bylaws? Well, because it really affects what you're doing in that in that property from pets. Want to get into? What always starts? I mean, I think the first thing people do have to look at, and often when somebody says, "Oh, I'm thinking about your listing," uh, can I see the bylaws? 
it's because there can be some fundamentally important things for an individual's lifestyle that can just right yeah. there deal, deal breaker deal breaker can't yeah. do it. Right? I think there's fundamentally three things. Ooh, tell that me. Every buyer when they say bylaws, they're thinking, "What pets am I allowed? Am I allowed pets? What are the rental restrictions? And am I allowed to barbecue?" I think those are the first three things that come to people's minds when they're thinking about bylaws. Yeah, and you'd think with the barbecue thing that it was it's something that just it's a patio, that's what you do on patios. Yeah. But not all, not the case with every building. No, there are definitely buildings that still do not allow barbecues. So let's bang that one out quick. Um so yeah, barbecues usually they're allowed, I would say 95% of buildings that we have. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. A lot, Bar- of, a lot of them will have like no charcoal. There's barbecues. a limit on the type of barbecuing. Yeah. Um you know, so you're usually it's just an electric grill. So your George Foreman or what have you, um, your regular propane, little guys, big guys, um, and it can still come down to. I mean, I've known people who have had little smokers or little charcoal barbecues on their patios, and yeah. nobody's said anything about it. They're just not as strict of a strata. So that's 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 one thing. Well, that's probably something with bylaws that is important, and I could be getting myself into trouble by saying this. It's only a problem when other people start complaining. Right. Like if you're doing a brisket up n- there. No nobody's doing spot checks in your condo and and walking in and being yeah, like barbecue inspection. It's it's when <laughs> when somebody sees that cat in the window and there's no cats allowed or or you're here's only allowed one barking. cat but you've got a black one and a white one and totally. people are like hey, wait a second. Yeah, so if you're going to get <laughs> if you're going to break the cat rule Get the same colors. Yeah, try to get, get the matching match a little set. Bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the definitely the pro tip. Yeah, which I did not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, though, is as soon as one person starts getting picky about one bylaw, it's the old adage with every neighborhood, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house, right? You don't want to start rocking the boat and turn it into something where somebody's constantly sniffing around for bylaw violations. Are people throwing stones at glass house now? <laughs> That's a great inside joke. Port Royal joke. Wait, gla- yeah, Glass House is a name of a building in Queensboro. <laughs> I've even seen some stratas where there's like designated individuals who are like the enforcement people. Oh yeah, you know. And so what you're looking at as a a buyer when you're investigating this stuff, and I always say to people, you know, the bylaws are there to give teeth if there's something that's really disrupting all the rest of your neighbors. Yeah. And now some of them want to be more specific than others, but if you read the, the the minutes of each meeting and it says, "Hey, you know, we got a violation, fine issued, violation, fine issued, violation, fine issued," you're like, "Oh, wow, these guys are they're on top of it." Yeah. The pet detectives are going around door to door and checking for meows and, and woofs. Yeah, usually I and maybe you guys can tell me if you agree or not, but usually if it's a building that allows dogs or cats, they're they're fairly okay with 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 the animals. If it's just cats, though. Um, you know, usually that means they're pretty a little bit more uh, strict about about their pet bylaws. Whereas you see, if you if it's two dogs allowed, two cats allowed, one or, or the other. Um, I mean, a lot of times in buildings like that, I see people with three, and it's it's not really no one's necessarily policing it. I think it's building to building, and I think getting away with an extra cat. I think a lot of people are getting away yeah. with extra cats. It's very hard to well, get Well, because caught. they're indoor. You're not really disrupting anybody yeah. else, right? But when you're in and out with a dog constantly, if you're in and out with two dogs, or if you've got a very you know dog that barks a lot, you're really changing the way that people share the environment with you. Yeah. So that's something that you need to look at when you're looking at pets. And then the complicated one is when people are looking at bio is a size restriction on dogs, 
right? It's like, yeah. yeah, dogs are allowed. So you're starting to look at a strata and you go, oh, it says dogs are allowed. Well, this one says there's a weight restriction or this one says there's a height restriction. Yeah, and where is that height restriction? Is it the height of the dog? Is it to the shoulder? Is it like exactly how are they calculating? Who is there with the measuring tape? <laughs> I don't, and I don't know if I've ever heard of anybody actually getting measured. No. Or it's just more of a deterrent that, hey, we like you know, around this size. Yeah, we want of, small dogs or we want medium to small. I'm yeah. just going to get on my soapbox and say that those bylaws are ridiculous. Yeah. Because the size of the dog doesn't matter. No fear. I've, I've it's owned... Not the, it's not the size of the fight in the dog. <laughs> I, I've owned many dogs... And my most badly behaved dog, loved her to death, was the only little dog I've ever owned. She, because, yeah. I'm well, all, hey, let's be clear. Not all little dogs are, are troublemakers, but they're just as likely to be a troublemaker is. as a big dog. Well, mine's a I think there are a lot more really high strung, naturally breeds of little dogs than bigger dogs. And the biggest, I mean, you can have bad, I'm not saying, like, there are lots of badly behaved big dogs, and it has to do with training, and there's a ton of it. But you get a lot of, like, there's a lot of high-anxiety little-breed dogs, like Jeremy's dogs, or dog. (laughs) I think the important thing is that, just to me, what bothers me is that there's no logic in it. Yeah. I I guess except that maybe the logic could be if people are scared of dogs and you're sharing the elevator with an 80-pound dog, it's just a bit intimidating if that's not your thing. Which is the other caveat, is sometimes there isn't a size restriction. Sometimes there's a vicious breed restriction, which can be open to a lot of interpretation. Definitely. Um, so that's the kind of the pets thing. There's a lot to look at when you're getting some advice from your agent. So pay attention. And we've had, we have had instances where it was a strata that allowed, um, only allowed one dog. And we had a, a buyer who had two dogs, um, but one was an elderly dog. So maybe it only had a couple of years left and, right. and they were able to make a concession. So get your realtor. If it's, you know, if that is the case where we understand after this, we will only have one dog. Um, but there have been instances that they've said it's okay for, for that one, there's one exception and it's only for a couple of years and you can't buy another one. So let's, let's move on to rental restrictions. Yeah. And I think that applies too with the idea of understanding the dog bylaws, understand the rental bylaw. Yeah. You know, cause there's research you can do often if there is a limit on the number of units that can be rented, it's typically around 10% of the total number of units in the development. That's kind of the rough number. Yeah. Although it can be anything. Yeah. 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 But 10% is kind of the, the go-to. And then by default, we tend to often assume that if there is a cap, that that building is at its maximum. Right. The odd thing is sometimes it's actually not. This is true. But it's not very common. Yeah. And the listing agent, if you're representing the buyer, like if we're representing the buyer, the agent isn't necessarily always fully informed on that. Yeah. You take a lot of legwork to find those out. The, the, sec- the section on, you know, when you're looking actually at the MLS sheet itself, the information sheet, um, it'll, it says number of rentals per- or percentage or number, and then there's just a number. Yeah. And it doesn't even really explain you typically whether that's either referring to the percentage of units in the strata or is it actually that's just the, the number. I always assume it's the number. I mean, it might always, be wrong. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody actually fill in the percentage. You could. The thing I think is important for people to understand is the exception to immediate family rule. So if somebody, if I want to rent to my mom or my kids, it doesn't matter what the cap is. I'm always allowed to do that. It's also important to know that your siblings don't count. It's either your parents (laughs) or your kids are considered the immediate family. They can never stop you from renting to that. Yeah. The other question is, what about, what if I want to have a roommate? As long as you're occupying the unit. Yeah, that's the way it should be done. Yeah. 
that is not the way some stratas enforce it. Yeah. And that to me, I got really upset when I heard that once. Somebody told me like, oh, I want a roommate. My strata won't let me, so I'm going to have to sell. I said, no way. You live in there. That's your home. Well, and how is that any of the strata's business? What if that roommate is your boyfriend or girlfriend? Yeah. Like, or you're just having a sleepover. No, but but <laughs> how do they, like, why is it okay to have somebody who's not on title in a romantic relationship in there, but you can't just have a roommate? It's I, nonsense. It's nonsense. And I think if it ever got challenged, it would get thrown out. Oh, it would never hold up. But some of these stratas are so forceful in it that's that they a, really make the person believe. That's important to know, too, is just because a strata is telling you something, like, not all. Most stratas are great. I'm not trying to knock stratas. But there are some stratas out there that are enforcing bylaws that they have no right enforcing. Yeah. Well, and that's a really good point, Jeff, is everything we bring up today yeah. typically is going to be the most extreme example. Yes. Totally. Right? Yeah. Stories that we've had happen to us. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. In the, in it, the past. It's more to warn the consumer or even a lot of our, our agent listeners out there that these are the things that we're watching out for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be careful of these things. 80 to 90% of the stuff you're going to come across are just people trying to run a building efficiently and doing a great job. Basic and they're, status And they're quo. volunteers. Like, yeah. they're not getting paid. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's a very good point. And, and when it comes to rentals, a couple of things that are really interesting to watch out for now with bylaws is there a lot of them are adding language around no short-term rentals. So they don't want the Airbnb Yeah, the anti-Airbnb clause, right? yeah. Some of them say a, a rental term must be at least a year. Right. Some of them. Same one month, six months. Yeah. So there's a lot of different term, terms. And, and municipalities each have their own, potentially yeah. their own their own limits when it comes to that. Um, quickly, I'll just mention too, Strata Act has a provision for if you're in hardship, there's something going That's on. That's a really good a point no, too. You are in a no rental building. And we do have buyers that like, well, what happens like I, I, if I lose my job or something, like I'm just forced to sell. There yeah. is a provision there and, and it, you know, it takes some letters and some proof and things like that with your Strata Corporation. Um, and it's usually a short term, but... Yeah, they're not going to let you rent it out forever. But but if you can make a case, I've never had a client make a legitimate case and been turned down. Well, they they can't be if it's yeah. legitimate. Yeah, that, exactly. The law is written that way. Yeah. Uh, something else to note with rentals, um, the language, uh, when we talk about rental limits, right? So there's a cap on the number of units that can be rented. The language of how that bylaw is written really, really matters. Yeah. Because there, there's a, a combination of two towers in the, the neighborhood here. Are you talking about Jameson? No. Oh no! It's uh, it's in it's Victoria in, Hill. in Victoria Hill. Okay. So the first phase there, the two towers. When they so again, this is important. Maybe we'll come back to this, Jerick. So I think this is a top secret tip too. Okay. Well, I didn't necessarily mean to mention the buildings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when a building is brand new, by default, the bylaws say there's no limit on rentals. Yeah. And uh, you can't. There's no size restriction on dogs. That's how I typically start with things. If I'm trying to find a place that allows rentals or dogs, the younger the building, the more likely right. those things are okay. It's not until the building has a bad experience with a dog yeah. that they're like, oh, we need to, <laughs> we need to change, change this. Yeah. Now that uh, strata decided to put a cap on the number of units that could be rented. Yeah. The interesting thing is the way they structured the language was that the cap is like 60 units. Yeah. There's currently like 80 rented, but the language said that the 60 that are counted um, only count to new ones after the law, the bylaw was enacted. So the people who are grandfathered, because this is something we haven't talked about when you're an original owner and they change the rental bylaws, you get some special rules that apply to you. Yeah. Um, most, it's not quite as simple as you can rent it forever, but for our purposes, we might as well say. If you're buying a building built in the last 10 years, check, there should be a rental disclosure yes. statement, yeah. which will give you info on, on yeah. how that was. But uh, you get to keep renting. So so they, in that one, 
said those people don't count? They don't count against the the accumulated Interesting. Cap. Yeah. So it's like it says 80 are rented, but then you go to the manager, like, hey, can I rent one? They're like, oh, yeah, we got room for like 40. Wow. <laughs> and it's huge for resale. Yeah. That's a, that's a big segment that's buying condos for, you know, for investment purposes. So and they would just write that building off if they just took that agent's word, potentially. Interesting. So Jerry was telling us that's our top secret one for when people want to okay. rent something. Well, it's good that like, we <laughs> talked about it on our, our podcast. Yeah. Good job. Then. Um, <sighs> the Jameson thing. Sorry, I'm just going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> you can't cut that out. That's yeah. super interesting. Um, you know about the Jameson rental situation? The towers? Well, I know that they have a limit. They do. Oh, but is oh, but they divide it by the two towers. Yes. So <laughs> they have, and I'm going to make up the number, but I think it's right. I think it's only six can yeah, be I rented that, in the right, unit, yeah. but it's three per building. So if there's no rentals in building one, but building two already has three, building two can't rent. It makes anymore. it sound like there's room for three. Yeah. But so you got to be careful when you're. <laughs> if I mean nobody's buying in there to rent because they only allow six of the whole. But it's yeah, there can be some funny little. Yeah, little makeups. A weird little bit there. So that's that's kind of enough on rentals. Uh, last thing, okay, rentals, we're talking about occupying the suite. Little one that's kind of a really interesting thing to pay attention to because some stratas enforce it and some don't is number of occupants yes. based on the number of bedrooms. And this is one that you're going to get confused on. Yeah. Because that bedroom was advertised to you as a bedroom. Yeah, you thought you were buying a two-bedroom. Marketed as a two-bedroom. But what if on the strata plan, which, spoiler alert, we're going to talk strata plans later. <laughs> Another it, exciting, thrilling topic. What, what if it says it's a den? Yeah, the original yeah. developer's marketing called it a den. Yeah. So they're saying, well, you can have two occupants per bedroom. Yeah. So your 1,000 square foot one in den is technically only a one bedroom, so you can only have two occupants. And you thought you're going to take that 12 by 12 room and put one or two kids in it. Now, some stratas, they just push that aside and say, no, 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 we're not going I would, I there. I would say most stratas it's, yeah, don't. It's not, a, it. it's not a standard bylaw that we, we typically see. But there are some that do. But, for, but some of the stratas that have that as a bylaw don't enforce it. They look the other way. No big deal. Some of them, though, go, no, this was marketed in 1994 as a one and den. You may have two occupants in here only. Yeah. And if you go otherwise, we will be fining you every week according to the law. One a family that came to one of our open houses a couple weekends ago yeah. was had their they were they were there they weren't actually quite interested in that property but their place is on the market right now because you see I saw them with kids and yeah that's that really? was one of, one of the reasons yeah wow oh yeah. I guess that brings us to age restriction too well yeah. that's what I I wanted to talk about was I think if you want to put in a bylaw that hurts your value. As a property you owner, bring, you want to bring property values down in the building. You should consider putting in an age restriction. <laughs> yeah. So which age restrictions are enforceable by law, Jeff? So the only two that are legally enforceable is 19 plus and 55 plus. And that's because age restrictions are actually against the human rights code. And I don't know the details of why, but when it was challenged, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that they would make two exceptions, that it was okay to have an adult-only building and a more senior-only building. So 19 plus, 55 plus. Yeah, so those, those they, they let go. And you do get 45-plus buildings still in they the exist. U.S. They exist, yeah. Technically, they're not enforceable, although do you want to move into a strata and then start fighting with everybody constantly? Well, maybe you do if it's a smoking deal. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's particularly relevant for us in new west because there's several townhouses and we're townhouse challenged yeah all of fraser view was developed 
as a seniors kind of or an adult community, which is weird because it's it's a gigantic hill. Mm, yeah, yeah. It, like it's, and some of these places are are on different you know different level like multi level homes like totally you know two three levels. Yeah. Um, and they would just be amazing candidates for for our families and things like that. And and we we have to write them off the list because of, because of those age restrictions. Yeah, I mean the the I'll I'll just come out and say it. The the townhouses in Jamison Court are the ones that I mean that's all one giant hill. They're two to three levels. Every time I get a listing in there, I get nonstop calls from families who would love to live in there, and they can't. And that building would skyrocket in value if they ever decided to remove oh, the potentially six, six figures yes. plus i think in, so. in value adding just 100 in, grand easy just I think it, in removing 100 grand yeah. yeah yeah if you're listening <laughs> yeah <laughs> you live in one of those stratas do yourself a favor you make a little money <laughs> yeah uh last item for bylaws uh, let's touch on it quickly because we did talk about it in episode 27 regarding uh marijuana legalization Oh. But smoking bylaws can really matter if you are a smoker or if you're a non-smoker and you don't want to be affected by it. Do you want to rehash that one? No. Oh, <laughs> I, I see what you did there. You want to hear, oh, you, I didn't even mean to. No, no just, <laughs> the, if you did listen to episode 27, Jerry and I have a pretty good debate about how we think that that maybe should. Uh, That's true. That was one up. of my favorite moments on this show. So we, we yeah. don't have to, to. No, let's not do it again. But, back let's, to that. but to summarize, uh, Strata can go as far as saying no smoking anywhere within the private property boundary. Mm-hmm. Anywhere at all. And we've seen that in a few buildings. That one's becoming more and more common and you need to read that one because the specifics of it cuz sometimes it's you yeah. know tobacco, um tobacco and weed, sometimes even vaping, sometimes it's not even in your own suite. Yeah. Um yeah, so, so not in your suite, not on your balcony, not outside on the terrace, nowhere. Sometimes you can smoke only in your own unit, you know, which is going to affect your resale value, but if that's how you want to live, you go right ahead. Yeah, I worried about that one a bit when we started seeing a couple buildings coming in with them, but it seems like that's just the way things are going. So it's not necessary. If it's, if it applies to most of them, it, it shouldn't affect values too, too much. I wouldn't think. Right. So uh, that's the first thing that gets people's attention, right? Yeah. Is bylaws. How does this affect my individual lifestyle? That's probably what we get asked, like we said, first and foremost, right? Yes. And the next most common question would be, what are the strata fees and what do they include? <laughs> <laughs> what about, what about we miss bikes? Oh, you want to talk about bikes? Bylaws. Bikes. Bike bikes. bylaws? People have, expensive bikes now yeah some buildings have bike lockers some do not um i mean you guys probably experienced this a ton of times but i've got a four thousand dollar bike and there's no way in hell i'm putting that in that the you know general population bike storage area i'm putting it in my place or on my balcony so look out for you can have rules that you can't have it on the balcony but in the suite you can have rules that that you don't even want it they don't want to want them in the elevator so that exact scenario came up uh, on a listing of mine last week. Um, and yeah, now luckily enough when they pitched their case, it was no big deal. They made an exception. I think a lot of stratas are going to have to make exceptions for that, but let's, let's talk strata fees. Okay. Step one. What do you mean? Maintenance fee, maintenance fee. <laughs> What's in the maintenance well, fee? Well, let's, let's actually talk about that <laughs> language too. Cause, um, I, I really feel like they should be called strata fees, not maintenance fees. How about operating fees? Operating fees would be good language. I think that the, the problem with calling them maintenance fees is people think that they're for maintenance. And then when you have to pay extra money to do your roof, 
people are upset. <laughs> what have I been paying <laughs> for? I've been paying every month. I thought you, I was paying for this. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the the most important part is your strategies are designed to include everything that ex- is expected to happen on a recurring annual basis. Sure. Right? And everything that's going to happen less frequently than a year is a completely separate financial plan. Right. So that's the baseline. Fees are calculated based on the square footage of your unit. We'll talk about more talk about that more when we kind of dissect at what a strata plan is. <laughs> it's important, Jerry. We should probably talk about strata we've, plan. We've double teased the strata plan at this point. If there's point. something worse, it's than bylaws are the most boring thing. <laughs> well, we talked about bylaws for what fourteen minutes. Uh, but the strata plan is going to say, okay, you have a thousand square feet in your unit, and the total building has uh, sixty thousand square feet of residential space. So your share is uh, a percentage yeah. of that, and that's how it's calculated based on just the total annual op- annual operating cost. And then the fees are just added it up based on how much the strata is providing for you. Right. So the most common thing is if you have a management company, you got your management service in there. Landscaping and gardening is always taken care of. Uh, the fire insurance for the building. And then what starts to become different is how much other maintenance they do on a regular basis, maintenance contracts, and then utility type stuff, right? Utilities is important because every municipality is a little bit different. In New West, the city's billing the stratas as a whole, so you're not getting that extra bill once a year. For you're talking about like water? Water, sewer. Right. Um, I don't know other, I think Burnaby, you get a city bill. Um, but some of the other municipalities are, it's not included in the strata fee, which is I think maybe hundred bucks or so. Well, it could, could be up to like a hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah. It can make a big difference. I mean, it's the biggest time to look out for that is if you're buying a townhouse because some townhouse developments, the water, sewer and garbage is included in your monthly fee. And for others, it's not. Right. And that can be very confusing where you're looking at two and you think the fee's like, wow, wow, it's $120 difference. Yeah. But the $120 could be precisely that one thing that you don't know you're going to get a bill for Yeah, you didn't budget, June. budget for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so normal things that it includes, usually it's your, like a, more, most often buildings include the hot water. We're talking condos. It's more typical. I'd, I'd be hesitant to say most often. A lot of see the a time. lot of hot water individual hot water heaters within the unit talking about domestic hot water systems yeah yeah you can have but you can have your own hot water tank in your unit that's what maybe 20 percent of the time yeah i like it when they have their own it takes up some space and it's another thing you're looking out for but um yeah i think it's it's easier on the buildings it's less pressure on the pipe system and it's also you pay for what you use yeah exactly so you keep it as a rental um less usually their pipes seem to last i don't want to say usually you know generalizations but yeah um it is you know it is easier on the on the plumbing system so the plumbing you just have one cold line going into the units and so they usually last longer one thing i wanted to talk about with strata fees was the idea of whether it's better to have a higher strata fee and to try and cover those long-term projects, like a lot of the depreciation reports, which we'll talk about later, uh, will give a suggested, you should raise your strata fee to this price, and then you never have to pay an assessment again. Or to have a lower strata fee and then pay the assessments as they come up on the projects. What are your guys' thoughts on that? You go too high, you just scare everybody off. Yeah, there's a point. Um, I'd say once you get to like 500 and up, gets a bit gets a bit scary for people that it just seems like outrageous so let's say hypothetically four hundred dollars a month covers your strata management maintenance operating costs yeah so anything above 400 goes into this savings fund that's called the contingency reserve fund 
So you can go 400, you could bump that up to 450 and you're only contributing about 10% of your total operating cost. Or you can go to 500 or you could go to $600 a month, (laughs) right? So if you were at that $600 mark, like you say, Jer, like that becomes intimidating to... The optics of it is a deterrent to people. Now, as a homeowner, you're putting $200 away into a savings account. Yeah. So $2,400 a year, you're putting it into a savings account. And you do that for six years while you live there. And you've saved up $13,000 in savings that you've contributed. And you go to sell. None of that money has been spent yet. Yes. There's a contingency fund that says we've got a million dollars in the bank and your agent is marketing this property for you and saying the strata fees are $600 a month. The great news is we got a million dollars in the bank. Uh, you should probably pay, you know, $15,000 more for this two bedroom condo than the one down the street. Yep. Is anybody doing that? Nope. No. <laughs> I find usually like downsizer clients buying in a building that they know they're going to be in for maybe 10 plus years. Yeah. That's that's a bonus. They don't usually care. And usually those people are buying like a bigger property. So maintenance fees are going to be a bit higher. Um, strata fees, whatever you want to call them. Um, so they don't, that's good. That's planning. That just shows that they're on top of things. But a lot of condo buyers are first time buyers just getting into the market. They don't want to spend an extra hundred bucks a month on their on their operating fee um, for, <laughs> for a roof in 10 years when they, they know they're going to be out of there in five. Well, and... I completely agree with what Matt said. You're not going to get the value. Like, you're not going to, when you sell, be like, look, they're doing the roof in five years, but I've already paid for three years worth of that roof. So, you know, some of that money back. Five and eight. (laughs) I I probably should get 40% extra value because I've prepaid that. Like, it just doesn't. No, you don't get rewarded for that savings account, but you pump the money into it. Yeah. Now, that's when you sell. Right now, if yeah. you're living there, it's nice. You've got that consistency, this peace of mind. You know yeah. that part can work. Like you said, Jerry, if you know you're going to be there long term, people are maybe a little more um, sort of accommodating for it. But that's why for us as marketers who help sell these properties or help you know people decide if they should buy them, going too high on the fees just doesn't reward you. you yeah. Know? So that's sort of the the general optics. And of there it. are people that will just write you off. Like, yeah, that's true. Why, well, these buildings look exactly the same. This one cost me 150 more a month. I'd rather put that into equity. Yeah. And yeah. I think that one thing I have in my notes here to try to remember to bring up is to ask that question. If you're looking at a strata and the fees are really high, yeah, don't come at it from a combative perspective. Like, why are these fees so high? But like, can you help me understand, is there a good reason why they're high? And it might be because the yeah. fees are 580, but $180 a month is going into contingency fund. Now, if the fees are 580 and $50 a month goes into contingency fund, yeah, then you've got a problem. You've maybe got a mismanaged strata there. Have you guys ever, when they were doing an extra fee, like, okay, we're going to save up. I can think of a building specifically down at the key that was saving up for their pipes. And so they raised their fees instead of doing an assessment. When those pipes got done, they did not lower their strata fee. Have you guys ever seen one of those situations where they raise strata fees specifically for a project and then actually lower it afterwards? I haven't seen it. There's been talk. One of the places we've sold recently, there was talk of yeah. um, we're, we're on track now. But the thing with building repairs, they don't just happen at once. Yeah. You do the plumbing and there's potentially something in five years. There's they're, another they're one on, coming, guys. They're on cycles. So. And you're used to paying that new strata fee. So well, you do realize that really income tax was a short-term measure in the war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> short-term, guys. 
And the other thing, and this is maybe a little bit more rare, but some of the older buildings where the occupants don't necessarily have the money for some of these big capital projects, they could do loans. So you could have a situation where... That's a really good point. I've got all the good points today. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> so encouraging. Um, that's something that, that you, usually you'll see that on your... You'll get a Form B document that will maybe show like future payments or, or if there's... Um, we had one that was, it was almost, it wasn't like two or $300 more than what it typically would be for that loan payment. Yeah. I, I had a property manager who was the running his strata and he worked it out. He, he got the most amazing loan to just pay out all the work. And it was a really, it was a way better way of doing it than, than a gigantic yeah. assessment. And I, that was about two years ago. And that was the first time I'd seen it. I was, he, he ran the numbers by me. He's like, look, you have to tell people why the strategy is too high. We're paying off this loan, but it means they don't pay this, 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 and this. And I was like, hmm. oh, that, that's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so it should be clearly illustrated though. I would think on the form B that you have that, to sell it. That yeah. here's, yeah, this is how it goes, but it should be paid out. You know, what's amazing is we're like half an hour into the show. You just said the word assessment. It's yeah. the first time that word came up Ooh, this episode. Assessment. Because really, the whole reason after bylaws, like, does this property allow the lifestyle that you live? The yeah. whole reason why we're investigating the strata yeah. is to see if there's an assessment on the horizon. Right. Or a special levy, however the language is, right? Yeah. And for anybody who's trying to understand that, we're going to talk a lot more about how to interpret those documents and, and look at that um, later on as we talk about this stuff. But it's a big bill that comes in addition to your monthly fees, this surprise. Outside of the operating, right. <laughs> monthly operating yeah. expenses. Yeah, so that goes anywhere from the extreme of the rain screen issues of the past that still are not entirely removed from our region Correct. to redoing the plumbing or the roof or painting yeah. the exterior or redoing the carpeting and the, the interior design in the common hallways. They can all come as a, a special levy. And when you're reading your strata documents, you want to look out for those uh, AGMs, we call them the annual general meetings, because um, usually that's when they're deciding on some of these big ticket items. Yeah, yeah. Or they have to call a special meeting because if something has come up unexpectedly, right? You, you guys are getting ahead of yourselves, though. I know. We're, we're just teasers. We're master teasers today. Let's stop teasing <laughs> and get into strata plan. So the strata plan helps us break down how all of this impacts each individual owner. So the strata plan is just a bad floor plan, right? That's, that's what we decided. <laughs> it's the most boring document and it's probably overlooked because I mean, we, we, we look, we look them over for our clients. Um, but when you're a, a buyer yeah. going through these documents, yeah, you see this plan that's showing every single floor repeated. Yeah. You can never read the, the text Totally. Oh, yeah. It's all grainy. And it's and just pages and pages. You're like, and I pages. get the point. Yeah, like, why did you even send this to me? So, what? So why did we? What is the client <laughs> or the person moving into a strata supposed to do with the strata plan? Frame it and put it on the wall. <laughs> Matt, what is the client or the person looking at the strata supposed to do with the strata plan? I think the biggest part is we talked about it and how your fees are calculated is yeah. understand what is yours. This helps you understand yeah. your percentage of the building that you own. Or or any or maybe there's some other stuff that's also yours, not just the percentage that you own, the per, the percentage you have limited exclusive access to. Okay. So that can go a long way. One might call that limited common property. That would be correct. <laughs> I think it as a you could look at it as you, if you're so you're in a high rise or a low rise or what have you, and you didn't necessarily look too closely at the floor, you came out of the elevator, you went to the suite. Now you can look back yeah. and see your okay. My unit is on, so it'll show you your floor. It's not going to show you the walls necessarily in your suite, but it shows you like okay, it's on this corner, or there's actually there's a stairwell beside me that I didn't even notice was there, so I'm not sharing a wall. Um, right. 
you know, oh, there's a garbage chute I didn't notice that was there or, or what have you. So you could have – it'll kind of outline some of those things that are that are on the floor that could be an issue. Well, and it used to be much more important because it used to be the only way we could verify parking maybe. Now parking gets verified in the Form B. Thankfully. Thankfully. But a lot of times we were digging through the strata plan hoping there was something in there that indicated – who owned what parking spots. Yeah, and if you're wondering what the Form B is, uh, this is definitely going to be a two-parter, guys. Oh, yeah. Okay, so everything related to documents, depreciation report, Form B, how to read and interpret those, that's going to be part two. Yeah. Uh, but the Form B is a snapshot that tells you specifically what your parking and, and storage allocation are. But if we're on the main floor, like Jer's talking about, the floor that you're on, you've got the perimeter walls of your unit, and inside of that is your strata lot. That's yours. That's exclusively yours. That's what you're buying a title to. Yeah. Now, your balcony typically is not part of your strata lot. You don't own that exclusively. But you have the exclusive right to use it. Correct, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's private property to you. Yeah. And the, But the reason why they do that is actually very helpful for the owner. It's because the maintenance is then the responsibility of the strata corporation. Correct. So you're not being held liable for taking care of what is essentially part of the exterior of the building. So what, what else? Is, are, what about the insides of the walls, the guts? Is that mine? Who's who? Who owns the pipes? Technically, they're yours. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Once you once you break the uh, the perimeter there, yeah. I don't know how far in you have to go a millimeter through the drywall, but once you're inside, my old townhouse, we had a lot of people very frustrated because we sent out in winter. I was on Strata at the time and noticed oh. to cap your uh, outside hose bibs. Hose bibs. And then when people didn't and they burst, they're like, well, this isn't ours. This is your problem. And you're like, well, first of all, you did this. We, we <laughs> sent you out exact instructions on what to do. And no, that is yours. You, you have to maintain that. Yeah. So you've got, and for, so whether it's yours to use or Strata's, usually it's indicated by a C, common property, or LCP, limited common property. LCP means you have your... Really resisting saying you know me. (laughs) (laughs) Could be good if you have a terraced balcony, if you're a ground floor unit. Did you you say a terraced balcony? Terraced. (laughs) It's a little bit earlier than we we normally record. It's quite early in the morning. It's got good sight lines. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Matt just took it to a different level. Uh, I'm talking about... You don't like a view of the river? (laughs) Anyway... Um, Jeez. You, you might not know where the boundaries are of what's like a ground floor unit where it's where is it yours where is it's not you know what's common property yeah that's really important on the... i thought those shrubs and garden was mine but no right. it's actually stratus, yeah so. no yeah your your patio stones go to here that's where it ends and the grass yeah. beyond is shared and technically if your neighbor or somebody from 24 is up wants to come put a lawn chair on that grass <laughs> yeah that's okay that's allowed <laughs> and that that can go a long way common versus limited common right um, so yeah. inside the unit, we have the number for the the square footage, square meters. Yeah, it's all in square meters because it's Canada. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention, mention something on that, and we kind of get this brought up, um, you know, at open houses and showings and things like that. It's <laughs> it's common practice now for us to do fl- professional measurements, floor plans, things like that. And there's several companies that do it, and their their measurement techniques seem to be kind of different. So we'll see. Very, we've had two floor plan companies do the same unit and come up with quite different numbers. And just a little error here and a little error there, and all of a sudden the math can be different, right? Yeah. So when we use those floor plans, where somebody measured it with a laser, um, we'll market it with those measurements. They took the measurements. There's their, their disclaimers and things like that on it, um, but it could de- differ. It's two 
similar units could differ. So when you're looking at some people get carried away with, with price per square foot and things like that, you want to reference the strata plan if you really want to see was this unit a similar size or not because they were it's more of an apples to apples comparison because they were done at the same time by the same company. I think before we move on to something else too, the last thing, when we were talking about limited common property and common property, it's really important to know whether your parking stall and your storage locker are limited common or common. And this is the thing, like this is like lawsuit territory. I've seen multiple times where people, people sue each other over this one. They thought it was limited common, meaning you have exclusive right to use this. And then it turns out it's common and what common property in a locker or a parking stall means is you might be allowed to use that spot, but Strata can come one day and say, you know what? We want to give that spot to Mrs. Jones. Yep. And there's nothing you can do. Nope, because Strata owns that land. Yeah, they might say, yeah, we, we had a locker, but we're going we're gonna to use that for something else, or we're going to give it to someone else, and there's nothing you can do. So you really need to know. Yeah, now the yeah. bylaws can be written differently that they can't take away your locker. They can just reallocate which locker is yours. A, a lot of them will guarantee you a locker, yes. not just... And almost always with parking, you're yeah. guaranteed a spot, not yeah. this specific so spot. So allocation can get moved around, and that's... Yeah. But, but most... Let's, let's, as scary as this sounds, most stratas, the parking and storage is common property. I, That's I, been my experience. There are very, very, I've seen very few where parking is limited common property. Yeah. In newest minister. Yeah. I mean, Vancouver, I think it's their... Yeah, I, it, come, it's, I come across a lot of, of limited common limited property. Limited property parking? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't, but, yeah. but it's something important to look for, right? Because that yeah. allocation can be moved. And that's why in every offer you see us right, we put on all these disclaimers in to remind the clients involved, yeah. right? That It's an assigned number. Yeah, it's not your. You don't have ownership of this spot, but you can typically. see different stuff too, right? Where a developer will say, "I own all of the parking, and I'm going to lease this parking spot to you for 99 years." Right, right. I've seen 99 year leases on parking. Yeah, technically, you can have lease parking too yeah. for sure. You know, there's yeah. some there's some some weird stuff going on in there. So the the strata plan does really matter, as much as this sounds like Jer said. Oh, it's just a, a crummy floor plan. Yeah, um, it can really affect your strata fees. Right. Because if that balcony is included in your strata plan and you've got a huge one and all of your other, like you're one out of six units on a floor and you have a massive balcony and the other five have small balconies, it makes your strata share your share of the, the total square footage a lot bigger than maybe it should be. Right. Depending on how valuable that, that terrace is. Or you have this massive terrace and it's not included in your strata fee, but the strata has to come in and maintain it and do all the rest of this work for you. And you're in small company, but your fees are the same as all the other two bedroom units. And do you guys know when the rule changed? Because I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that they're not allowed anymore to include balconies in the newer developments. No. No, this was most of the time when you see this kind of stuff, it's from the 70s. Yeah, I was guessing that it must have changed somewhere around the 80s. Was Yeah, so it's yeah. only in the older stuff. They like to put it on their marketing materials, though. Yeah, well, and they're allowed to advertise that it has an amazing balcony. Mm. But that's also... So when you... Oh, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'm going to avoid my going okay. off on a okay. tangent because so, we got lots to talk well, about. Well, and, and this is important. So the other part is you're paying for this square footage, but there are times where inside of your unit, there's interior space that somehow wasn't included on the strata plan. We've seen it where there's been lofts that have been developed. So now you've got a two-bedroom floor plan that's just like all of the units below you, but you've also added 35% of floor space and you don't pay fees for that. 
Right, because they didn't actually amend the strata plan when they gave them that extra square footage. Yeah, it wasn't part of the original strata plan drawing. Yeah. I saw the most amazing, unique one this week with a, a transaction we're working on where outside of the unit, is a, there's a, a wall that divides it. You go out and through a separate door and there's 120 square feet behind it that's technically like storage. Yeah. But it's got such good size to it, you can effectively use it as a den and all sorts of other sort of practical functions. You could put a bathroom in there if they'd let you. <laughs> Skateball table. Yeah. <laughs> a, but there's a lot of value in that to a homeowner, like, yeah. like real practical use. And it's 120 square feet that you do not have to pay strata fees on. That's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. So it's pretty keep, rare. I mean, haven't, we haven't seen that before, but it, it was. A, but when you see stuff like that, it helps you understand. You go, wow, my strata fees are low. And then the other way that you can really benefit as a as one unit within the many in your strata, um, one is to be one of many, maybe in a tower, yeah. right? That could be it. Or if the average size of a condo in your building is a thousand square feet, like most of the condos on the floor are a thousand square feet. There's there's six of them, five of them are a thousand square feet, and one of them is six hundred and fifty square feet. Right. You're going to pay a really disproportionately low strata fee for that six hundred and fifty square feet because everyone else is sort of bringing up the average. Now, keep in mind that this swings both ways, and if you are thinking about buying a townhouse that is attached to a high-rise, and your townhouse is three times the size of the average high-rise unit in the high-rise, when it comes time to pay your portion of a special levy, it's going to be big. So let's say an average two-bedroom in that building is 900 square feet, and the townhouse is 1,800 square feet, so it's double. So all the two-bedroom condos are paying $350 a month for strata fees. That sounds pretty good. That's low. The townhouse is paying double, $700 a month for what? Yeah. Well, and let's talk when it's time to do the roof. (laughs) Yeah. And usually people are okay. They they buy, they might be looking at those townhouses, and they're fairly common. Attached to you build a high rise, and you built you've got some land there to build some townhouses. Yeah, maintenance fee okay. It's a bit higher, but it's bigger square footage. Fine. Yeah, but but they might not be thinking about this. Is the more of the modern design. So super off topic, but I do want to mention it. Uh, the other thing that happens in those townhouses connected to high rises, I sold one of them to my parents in law, and um, people throw cigarette butts off their balconies and it's the other thing to think about and yeah it, we never would have thought about it but they're cleaning up cigarette butts every day well and then you go in as the townhouse segment of the owners and you're yeah like, there's eight of us we need to yeah. do something and there's like there's 200 of yeah. us yeah. you don't have a voice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you get your vote and that's yeah. hard yeah and that was and i mean just to touch back on the adding of square footage matt and i we sold that uh, a penthouse a while ago that had the solarium added on to the, the oh yeah the terrorist balcony um <laughs> Huge. That's a fair amount of square footage. It was like twelve hundred square feet of solarium, fully strata yeah. sanctioned. Um, but they'll never, you know, to, to vote through the the square footage change to amend the the strata plans. Not not going to happen. Well, I don't think they should because a solarium is doesn't count. Did they fully finish it, was, it inside? Yeah, it like was, it's it like was rooms. interior space. You see that in Vancouver all the time. Yeah, you see solariums that are then built and they're designed to be knocked away and okay do it so we know when people come in how their lifestyle fits the building we understand how the fees are calculated based on the strata plan we got a sense of what the fees are can we touch a little bit more but maybe not too much on the budget itself like what are the line items here that fill the fill up the fees sure matt go ahead and talk about that i don't (laughs) (laughs) well played i don't really want to talk about the the guy that canceled christmas wants to talk about the budget (laughs) I uh, I think the important thing to understand when you're looking at a budget is 
the first thing I look at isn't so much like it looks like a lot of money they're spending. It costs a lot of money to run a, a high rise or or low rise or whatever it is. One of the things I like to check for is um, their projected budget and then how much they're actually spending. So are they on budget? Are, not even <laughs> like are they aware of what's going on and how? Because I don't mind if they're over. But if they are over, I want to see, like, okay, were there surprises that came up? Not just, oh, these guys don't know how to come up with a budget. <laughs> like, like, it never snows here, and then all of a sudden this year, we've got thousands of dollars in snow removal because it just dumped for two months. Yeah, and, and I mean, I would say most stratas go over budget. Like, that's not weird to be over budget. Would you, would you guys agree with that? I think I see more under budget. Really? Okay. And then it just goes back into CRF. Yeah. I get concerned if I see them go over budget, especially if it happens more than once out of like three years. Yeah. It's usually an indication that there's a some mechanical piece of the building that's that's foreshadowing future repairs and yeah, they've I, had to do service calls. More I often usually than they want thought. to work backwards and just find out what, what was going on. Um, as long as there's a reasonable explanation, I'm not freaked out. But if they went over budget because they gave their you know, maintenance people three raises that are all related to the strata manager... We had to fire a strata manager for that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit of a conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah, she was hiring family at way higher rates. Oh, that's no good. I, yeah. I wonder about that with new developments when the you know builders building all these properties and they go, okay, "Here's your management company." Oh, you know, okay. If you're in a new building, should you just start fresh? Be like, we, cool, thanks. We're we going to get our maybe own. do a whole episode. I had drinks with a building manager once, uh, like a few months ago, who told me what goes on with how. They, I could be getting in a lot of trouble do you, for. Do you want to do a conflict of interest episode? Um, <laughs> but uh, the way some of them pick who gets put in is uh, terrifying, especially. And you're talking about like a brand new development. Yep. Right. The way that those are allocated out of the gates. Yeah. Because once you're in, you're the incumbent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when it comes to warranty things. I won't talk Canada because this stuff is starting to leak in here. But in the states, it's very common for those management companies to be getting tons of kickbacks from the companies to get the contracts like they're paying to be the guy in the building because they know the building will keep them once once they're in yeah so yeah. then they're getting a, a monthly elevator service contract right and like who should we hire Otis totally. or richmond and it's, it's, like, it's just easy we've already got these people but they yeah, yeah we've got a really good relationship with richmond elevator tell me more about this relationship <laughs> my, my understanding is <laughs> they that bought there's my some boat. really <laughs> sketchy stuff that happens in the states that's trying to leak its way here and a lot of the strata managers are trying to keep it out yeah. but that is there difficult. is a lot of skepticism i think in every strata corporation like a certain segment of the members the owners yeah who who really worry that the management companies are getting a lot of kickbacks and their recommendations aren't necessarily in the best interest of the strata but it's that it's yep. helping line their pockets financially Totally. Talking about like management companies is we could waste a lot or not waste a lot of time, but you could really dig into to that. We from, can go down from, a rabbit hole from documents, separate bid, like cash only. So for, so like, so much. I guess the first thing I really want to say about management companies is that when you're there as a homeowner, you just kind of think like, okay, well, this is who we have and, and this is what we do, and you don't really think to change much. And the only time a lot of homeowners, if you're not on council, realize that your management company is hurting you is when you're trying to sell. Yes. Right? They get in the way of the transaction and we can talk a lot about how they get in the way, but they, the management company gets in the way and they actually devalue the property in some, some facets. 
And then the, the seller realizes this because we're communicating what the problems are, but they don't really care to do anything about it because they're moving out. They're not going to be their client anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So the management company doesn't really have any negative consequence for that, right? Um, we're going to talk about management companies and, and meetings and minutes and that kind of stuff, and that's how we'll close things out. But this is actually a perfect segue because we got a question for this episode for question of the week. What? And it's perfect. So let's do a question of the week. Check out the big brain on bread. How's that working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Our question this week comes from uh, Chris and Emma. Chris and Emma are first-time buyers looking at condos. Okay. Uh, we are right in the middle of a transaction, so I thought they would be perfect Okay. to ask for a question. So I said, uh, what would be a question that, that you think we should ask here? And his question is, um, two-parter, um, how is the strata manager and the management company chosen? Oh, that's a good... Uh, how is it chosen? So yeah. that's question one. Um, and the second is, can tenants or even renters of it within the strata attend strata meetings? Great question. So let's go to first first question. How is the strata manager or management company chosen? So at the beginning of the building, they are put in by the developer. And once you get enough people in there, then you actually create a strata. But the developer, usually the management company, is somebody handpicked by the developer. A lot of times that goes south very quickly, and they'll vote to oust <laughs> the management who, who company. Votes? The, the owners. Strata Council. It's actually just Council. Oh, am I, do they not need to have a... So Council can without... Is that true? Yeah, Council is running the sh- is steering the ship. They're in charge of the business. I thought if you got rid of your management company, you needed to it's have... It's just like a, hiring a roofing company. Interesting, because I've seen many times where they do have a special general meeting. Now, that might just be damage control to have everybody have a vote to get rid... Like, I've seen that multiple times. But what you're saying is technically they do not have to. They could just that's, that's my understanding. I might be proven wrong on this one. Interesting. Because uh, I, I can't think of real specifics to back me up. That would seem like an AGM thing, but maybe they can start the process with yeah, getting, getting I, bids and things. But. I sold a building once where they had they held an SGM to fire council while I had it for sale, and it got so ugly. So, sorry, not to fire council, to fire sorry, management company. They had an SGM to fire the property manager. They had the meeting... And then they fired While them. they're there taking notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. And, and like the property manager, excuse, he started the meeting and then excused himself from the meeting so that he wasn't there. And then um, we had to get all the documents for our sale. But the management company had just been fired. And we're like, we lost them. We're like, uh, we, we, had to, we had to have a three-month subject removal. Because we had it took Trying that to sort, long to sort out all the Oh documents. yeah, it was a disaster. Too bad, so sad. Yeah, we're and not. they were super bitter because they were firing the management company, but not the property manager. The property manager was starting his own company, and they wanted to stay with him. That's why. Ooh. So, so the management company was super bitter yeah. that he like snaked the totally resisted. You think they'd have like non compete clauses with their you their, their agents? So yeah. Um, and then the two part was how do they select the agent? No. The strata agent. Oh, the well, well the management managed, company or the manager. Manager, so. strata agent. I but, call them both. Sir, but they're a property manager. Mm. But they're within. The, the manager world. is the individual 
who you're actually building dealing manager. with, and then the company is no is, building manager. There's, there's is separate. Not the there's person. I know. Oh, I didn't hear building manager. I thought we were talking no, about. No, Jerry's just saying that. I'm just saying that there's different reference things in, in Strata. Sure. You'll have different different yes, names building, sort of thrown right. around. Um, but the the Strata agent is the same thing. That's the same as the property, property manager. manager. Yeah. Let's just use yeah. the language property manager. Property I, manager. I feel like that's... Who works, yeah. who is an employee for the management company. Correct. Yeah. So just like you can in it, choose quotes from three different roofing companies to choose who to do your roof, yeah. you can interview and select from different management companies. You yeah. hire the company, and then the company allocates an individual to be the manager for that particular strata corporation. Typically yeah. not deciding that, picking and choosing who your person is. No, unless you choose a very small management company that only has yeah. one or two managers. Yeah. And they can be hit or miss in those companies where you could have, we've had, we've gone through one of the buildings, you know, three different strata property managers and they, one of them was amazing. Like she would answer her phone on uh, like a Friday at four. We, where we, you mean yes. she would actually answer her phone? Oh, she, she would answer the <laughs> phone. Yeah, Shannon. That's Shannon, a lot to ask. Shannon Ray, no, no relation. But I, I remember calling her once on like a Friday at four o'clock and it, with no intention of talking to a human being. Yeah. And she answered the phone like, sorry, who is that? Who just picked up the phone? Yeah. The actual person. So um, yeah, you see, so you can have a strata agent. I I feel like with the, with the property managers... Um, a lot of times they've got a lot of other buildings going on. Sometimes they can get flat. I think they get assigned to too many buildings. I think their companies overwork them for sure. And so they can, yeah. So I think that's that can be part of the problem when you're dealing with some of these larger firms that they just might have, um, you know, I don't know how many employees they would have, how many strata managers, but they would. Well, yeah, they have to overload them to be profitable, right? It's essentially the model is to try to give them everybody more than they can do. It's like a restaurant. You got to flip tables. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, no, if you have as much that you can do an amazing job with, we're not making enough profit here. Yeah. yeah. And they just get too, there's too much on their plate. So it's too hard to get through the it's emails. It's so hard to get a hold of those people. I mean, they're essentially, they, they deal with like the fires, but when it comes to us trying to facilitate a sale, yeah. Getting information from those agents, they're the property managers, is really, really difficult. And that's where I say it can frustrate a sale, right? Is these people are not responsive right. or the documents that they're providing is inconsistent or incomplete. Yeah. And there's that part. And then there's the the management companies. I, I think the the biggest thing that I wish Stratas knew when they selected the management company was how uncooperative they can be when it comes time to provide documents to help facilitate a sale. Yeah. Right. So to protect the seller, to protect us uh, as the representative of the seller, we order all of the required documents from the management company. Even though the seller may have 90 to even 100% of those documents, they might actually have them all in their possession. Yeah. We're going to shift some of that responsibility to the management company to say, we're requesting totally. it of you. So if there are any gaps here that we're not aware of, you're going to provide all of this. Two things happen. One, there's a timeline as to when they'll deliver those. Two, there's a fee to pay to get those documents. And then three, sometimes they don't fulfill that properly and we realize that there are gaps and they haven't done their job. The timeline and the fees is the problem that we can have in a lot of these situations, right? Um, where there's no, I don't, I don't know, am I wrong? Is there no regulation on this? No, there's no regulation. And you get, you get really stupid things. Like it costs more to get the documents emailed to you than to have them print them all out and mailed to you. And they know you'll pay more because it's convenience, but I mean, all they have to do is hit a button. It's, it's way these easier are, These are the, the, the pet peeves. I think there is, uh, <laughs> I think there is a limit. I think it's 14 days is there, is the like, the standard. They can't, 
they can't make it longer than that. I could be wrong, but I, okay. I believe it's it's. Oh, there might. Yeah. Do you want to get into some pet peeves? With <laughs> well, well let's, let's finish answering. answering the question because there was another second part yeah, to that question, which was really easy to answer. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Let's answer that second parter from Chris and Emma, and then we'll maybe come back to. Some and that of was stuff. just tenants. Can can an owner or a or a tenant a renter attend strata meetings? Oh, can an owner or a tenant? Yeah, either. You can't just drop in. Usually, you have to send a request saying, "I'd like to come and talk to you," and then they'll, they'll allow you. You Sorry, request for the, an audience. Yeah, yeah, owner or tenant, because the tenant does have the you know the license to be there. Yeah. using the suite. They're used to the suite. They're not voting on strata items. No, tenant can't vote, and and you can't just attend meetings unless it's the annual general meeting or a special general meeting where everybody's invited. But I think one thing that's important if you are a tenant and you're interested is you can get copies of the minutes. It's fully within the rights of a tenant to say, I would like the monthly copies of the minutes and whatnot. So you ask your landlord for that? Yeah. And, well, and and I mean, a lot of stratas will just put them on the list of Oh, they'll email. just, okay. Yeah. All right, so there's that option there. And then yeah. Yeah, if you want to attend uh, like a monthly council meeting, the way that that works is that the, the, the individuals who have been chosen to sit on council, chosen or the only ones who volunteered, Right. Um, yeah, a lot of times it's the only ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh but they're the only ones who are technically uh privy to the information like the actual meeting itself. They actually from, from have start an to agency duty of like just like we have an agency duty to do our clients, they have an agency duty to put the strata's best interests first. And a lot of times that means confidentiality. There's stuff that they might not even be allowed to talk about. Right, right. Yeah. So they sit through that meeting and they know everything that happens. If you just want to drop in, you feel like listening in on a full meeting, yeah. that's not permitted, even though you're an owner. If yeah. it's a regular council meeting, you can say, I've been having an issue uh, with my neighbor. Uh, I'd like to make an appeal regarding pets. I'd like to have an audience. You get to go there. You get your three minutes. You say your piece. They give you no feedback. They yeah. might ask some questions. They make your decision when you're not in the room. Yeah, and I mean, you can have more laid-back stratas, but what Matt is describing is the way it's supposed to be done. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the difference is the annual meeting or the, the annual general meeting or something that's been called uh, unexpectedly a special general meeting. That's when every owner is supposed to attend and is supposed to vote. Right. You know, that's when you get your vote as an owner when something has been proposed. Uh, so we'll talk more about the meetings and the structure of that, but I do want to finish on the management companies. Yeah, and then we can talk about AGMs and SGMs and that kind of stuff. Um, but I was I was I was a bit um, distracted by the management company thing and the pet peeves. Okay, just because um, I find that things like you want us to pay for the documents, that's fine. We will pay for it. Why do some of you charge three times more than the other guy? And why does some of you only say the only way we will accept payment from you is a personal check? And we're located in downtown Vancouver. So the the personal <laughs> check thing drives me nuts, uh, just because I think it's bad business. I, I do believe. I mean, if we're if we're in a free market, they should have the ability to set their own prices. Like I'm not into price controlling. It annoys me when some of them are louder, uh, larger. The thing I find difficult though is the management companies that are charging way more their owners don't know because the majority of realtors out there 
pay for the documents themselves. That's the the issue I want it to be on the yeah. show. Yeah, is that you <laughs> yeah. should if you're choosing a management company, you should know yes. if and how this is going to affect you when your time comes to sell. Yeah. yeah. Are they holding your documents hostage? Like it's a second business that they're running. Yeah. Is is we've collected this information, these documents, and when they're requested by agents, there's a separate business on what we, you know, want to charge them. And and if you're thinking, oh well what's the benefit to me as the listener, um, the difference can be Let's say you get an offer that needs to be dealt with quickly and you need to get strata documents. Some of these companies might charge you $200 for a one or two day rush fee. And some of them might charge you $900 or higher for that same thing. And that's a lot of money to try and ask. If you're trying to get things going quickly, it... it I mean, especially for something that's stored electronically on a computer, right? Like it's literally just we have to click PDFs and 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 fill out the form B. Like that, the form B is the most complicated part of yeah. But the it process. literally takes six minutes. Yes, like yeah. It, it's it's a very it's a pretty quick thing to fill out. So I think from just a seller's perspective is to know that those can be they can be overcharging, they can be not delivering quickly, they can be delivering those documents inaccurately, which is which is hurting your property. The um, thing too, pet peeve with the form B, just quickly <laughs> is a lot of times they're dated you know, a day or two after you ordered them. Yeah. They're making, there's no, there's not because there's a turnaround or there's backlog. It's, it's actually dated from before. It's ready. It's just, you have to wait your 14 days because you only paid us $200 instead of 600. Yeah. That's the frustration. So pay attention to that. And then, so the other thing that your management company is going to do is help facilitate your meetings. Are you guys okay for time? Because we're at 1230 already. Do you have the keys, Jerry? I have everything. Yeah, I, I was it, just thinking it's one o'clock. We people. could wrap up meetings into next episode if we're getting because meetings is still a big, pretty big topic. Would well, Jerry, you got to leave here at what ten to one, quarter two? Um, Tiffany Shores parking. Yeah, quarter two is kind of when I was wanting to be walking out your door. I think it might be better to. You don't want to do it in ten minutes. Well, we got to get through AGM, SGM. I mean, we can tr- we can try. I, I'm just. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to rush it. I want them. I want us to have good information. Okay. And discussion. Do you guys have an after the credits? No. You could fill time with no. I, I this episode I think has been a good length. I think we'll just yeah okay. yeah. Okay, We're so. at an hour and five minutes. Okay, so. I think for next time, what we're going to get into is we're going to get into how all the meetings work. And then we're going to discuss uh, engineers' reports and depreciation reports. What else? What other stuff are we going to kind of tease right now that we're going to get into, you guys? Well, we've talked about these annual general. Well, we're going to talk about annual general meetings and yes. council meetings. Yes. Um, yeah, all the different <laughs> meetings will be. Discussed. But then we need to help the the consumer understand how to dissect the the documents that are provided that summarize those meetings. Correct. Right? So yeah. you get a notice for the meeting. Then you get the actual meeting minutes. And what does that mean? So there's all that stuff, engineer's reports, depreciation report, uh, all the documents that are sort of associated with this, right? Yeah. How to interpret them, how how to make sense, and, and how it all kind of works with, you know, how they're funding things and funding models in terms of maintenance fee, operating yeah, fees. I guess. And then the big part is then dissecting it to realize what is a potential special levy. Right. Right. So what do we think based on this depreciation report or based on this engineer's report is upcoming work? Yeah. And then what's it going to cost me? All this and more next time on Multiple Offers. 
Um, okay, guys, thank you very much for listening. I hope that you found that informative. Um, if you want to get a hold of Matt or Jeremy, you can reach them at thenewwestguys.com. And if you want to get a hold of me, Jeff McLennan, you can find me at realestatenewwest.com. Please, if you've been enjoying our content, think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us reach out to more people. Thank you guys very much, and have a great day.